Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. Ah, how you doing? Ooh, can I get real? Can I get tactile with you? Can I get real? Sure. I'm a little, I'm a little on the struggle bus today because I went out last night. Yeah. I had a little, had a little too much fun last night. Ah, beverages or beverages, food, herbal refreshment. All right. Okay, girl. Partying. She, yes, she was definitely, it was very classy. Let's put it that way. Oh, of course it was. Huh? <laughs> I'm sure. No, you know me. I don't really, I don't really imbibe. Yeah. And I was celebrating something yesterday. Huh? I was commemorating the one year anniversary of my uh, most significant relationship ending. And I... Went out so with, far, most so significant relationship so far. <clears throat> Thank yes. you. Are you getting credit for this? <laughs> <laughs> we should get some credit for you. No, I'm just planting the seeds of my no longer talking to you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I yes. just want you to prepare for when you are memorializing that I, that you and I, will no longer be <laughs> true, Joshua. But that would also come at either I'm yours or my me. death. <laughs> we're we're in it forever. No, so I went out last night yes. memorializing. Loss. This is good. See? Yes, I was. I was having the <laughs> it's loss. More, it's a, it is important to do that. So go ahead. And I went to this uh, restaurant that has a speakeasy in the back. So we had tacos in the front, and then we went to a speakeasy in the back, and we sat at the bar and had very tasty cocktails, and it was delightful. And it was the first time that I had first time in a while, I should say, that I did a little edible situation, and mm-hmm. then also went out and had very strong delicious drinks nice. it was a fun night i need to take you to the speakeasy though we were supposed to go last year then i got covid right it's the speakeasy that's right next to a cemetery yeah fun yeah i love all of that that yeah. sounds great <laughs> you know yes. i love a cemetery <laughs> i'm feeling very good very blessed yes i'm sure did it uh help to do particular... sure yeah yeah because yeah. yeah, i did i did a little shout out to ashley our final girl yeah. our only girl really i love her so much because i can text her and be like do you have a cleansing ritual <laughs> do you have a spell <laughs> for me my sister in witchery and yeah she gave me one and it was a lot of burning of intention or burning of feelings and all of that stuff. And it was actually really good to do because it also it was cool because as I was writing so that the object, the main thing that you do is like you write the things you're trying to release or cleanse yourself of either from the person or the experience. And as I was writing it, I was 
trying, I was actually finding it a little difficult to write down things because so much has happened in the right. last year that I've made my peace with it that I'm not, like, there was a lot that I had already given, released, that I was like, oh, I guess maybe I don't, maybe this, these are the last few things. And so that was nice to mark that time. Yeah, yeah. But it's good to see how much we've grown in the time or how much has changed or the things that could be surprising what does or doesn't come up. Yeah. So how cool. Good for you. I'm glad that you had a good time and it wasn't just like a sad occasion. In many months, um, you get a wistful feeling every now and then. What is it? The dual processing model of grief. (laughs) Sometimes you're on this side and then you immediately jump back over here. And so, but like my therapist, shout out to therapy, everybody. Get some, get the therapy girls. (laughs) He was saying that like the way he approaches grief work is like understanding that grief is always going to be there, but it doesn't have to be there the whole time. And so that has actually been really helpful because the feelings of grief that have, that I've had over the last year, allowing myself to feel it and to honor it and to just sit with it for a minute has also helped me to release that and move back to the other side of the processing model. I love that. I thought you, you would. I've been watching the duo, but I don't think you need it. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't think you need it. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Just in general, any, I, I think it's always good to try to sit in all situations where we can't balance like the logical stuff and the emotional things. Mm-hmm. Um, this is very DBT, you know, the wise mind sort of thing. So that it makes sense. Like some days you're going to be more, you'll be drawn to something, an emotional experience. So I think it's good to honor that, and but also not get lost in it. It's always a balancing act. And I do think grief is, it is very omnipresent in life. Life is full of loss. So how, and, and it's not, um, you know, the five stages of grief or whatever. I'm not no. totally bought into. I mean, I'm bought into the idea of it, but sure. it comes and goes and it's cyclical. And we find ourselves in different parts of our lives at different stages uh, or in different stages at different parts of our lives in a different order or a different, yeah, stuff comes up, especially for me around like special occasions or what I, as I'm like accomplishing things, it's like, oh, my mom's not here. So you just have those moments of you go through the whole process again in a way because you have to like, there are times I'm like angry that she's not here to witness the things that I'm accomplishing or, or I'm sad or I feel, oh, if I had done this or said that. So you find yourselves throughout life always working through the stages. Sure. And relationships are hard too because you grieve what's not, you grieve what was and also what could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very hard because that is made up of a ton of inner discourses because yeah. it's not based on a real thing. It's based on what mm-hmm. you think would have happened. And yeah. Yeah. Anyways. And it, and it wasn't without our, <laughs> that's the thing is that like I can't even, it's difficult to grieve the potential because like we were on a downward trend for so long. So it's like we would have had to really build back up all of that. So at a certain point, it's just, it was inevitable. Two things for you. One, uh, and then we can move on from grief. (laughs) We can move on at this point from grief. Two things. One, the friend I was with, I thought it would also be healing for him as well because he also recently just ended like a, uh, a breakup. And one thing that, Um, He said to me in the days after his breakup 
that the the day that he broke up with his ex, his now ex, that later on the ex called him and said something that affected him, really affected me hearing it, was the fact that, oh, the last nine months of my life have been a waste, which was like, I understand where that comes from because it's from a place of anger and hurt, but I... This is the ex said to... The ex said to my friend. And for me... I immediately like I had to go into that a little bit because I was like, wow, that is such a it felt like such a severe thing to say, because even with me about having my my relationship being on a downtrend for months and months, I never at one point ever thought that all of those almost three years that we were together were a waste. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Knowing nothing why they would feel the necessity to say something like that outside of just wanting to hurt someone. Yeah. And that says a lot about the kind of person that they might be and how they value relationships as not as places to uh, maybe as not places to learn something and grow. So yeah, I'd be very curious (laughs) that part of me that the the therapist mind. Yes. Like once more information, like (laughs) I'm curious about me say more about that. The dynamics, Uh uh, but again, that just sounds like just such a hurtful kind of thing to say. Yeah. And just purposefully, because you don't even need to. You could just not talk again or not send any messages. Yeah. there's there. That's the thing, is that pleading or fighting or saying those hurtful things in that moment, it's just, it's, what's the, for me, it's like, what's the point, right? Because yeah. it's, the, bound, the, the desire to separate has been expressed. Yeah, um, and we've already done that. What was the other thing? The other thing is the... Do you know the actor Paul Meskel from, what would you know him from? Normal People. Um, he, he's an Irish actor. He was dating the, okay. for a while he was dating, had a very public relationship with the musician Phoebe Bridges. Mm. Bridgers? Bridges? Bridges. Bridger. Phoebe Bridger. Something like that. She, the, Phoebe yes, Bridgers. Phoebe Bridgers. And so he's been, they broke up and he has been very, He's been very diligent and very... Oh, he looks familiar. Yeah. Yes, he's been very uh, diligent ahead, and very... Po- oh, he was in After Sun, which was nominated for an Oscar. I don't. I know you don't follow the Oscars, but... Right. And so with Paul Meskel, he's working on a current project with... What's the name of the hot priest from Fleabag? <laughs> I forget his name. He's, <laughs> a, he's a very talented Welsh... Maybe not Welsh. He's a very talented Irish, I My think. My God, hot priest from Fleabag is an actual... Yeah. Cool <laughs> thing that pops up. <laughs> Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott, thank you. Andrew Scott, who is a very talented English queer actor, they're doing a project together. Yeah, I absolutely disagree with Hot Priest. But anyways, we all have our (laughs) tastes. And he... He, for the first time, he publicly acknowledged like his breakup in an interview recently, Paul Meskel did, where he said that like he was on set with Andrew and how like it was something that, that very bleak that was said, but also very true is the fact that love, you have love for someone, but that's the temporary thing. The thing that's the longer lasting feeling is the grief when that's over, whether it is that they die or the relationship ultimately ends it's the that part is the longer lasting part and i had to sit with that for a little bit because it's for whatever reason it's helping paul meskel said that is helping him a little bit but i had to sit with that because i'm like yeah if it's always there but it i don't know i don't think i think i've grown to not see it as like a negative it's the grief is a negative it's the the 
it's the remnants of the love that was there or is still there. Yeah, precisely. Exactly. Grief just proves that like you can feel and you can feel very deeply. And that is a good thing. And it is the cliche, the price of love. Absolutely. But yeah, I think it's, it is good for us because life is fleeting. And so how we choose to invest our time, how we choose to spend it, who we do it with, like that's grief is like the powerful reminder, I feel, of that investment and that just the beauty of life. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what I like to do when I'm sad is eat (laughs) as a segue because Joe. Yes. (laughs) Are you feeling okay? Is it all right? Should we move on? Oh, yes. I was sure. (laughs) Joe brought me back a gift from Guam, original Chamorro chip cookies. I love that. Chamorro chip cookies. Yes. That's delightful. Chocolate chip, which you can't eat. No, eat the other one. Okay. 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 You brought me two different kinds. Yeah. Macadamia nut and chocolate chip, but you can't eat these either because you can't have chocolate. They do have so there is a third flavor that i appreciate you bringing me chocolate one that's very sweet of you well no i'm not going to bring you the ones that i can eat i'm going to eat those they have ones that are coconut flavored that uh they look like that cookie crisp yes yes (laughs) pour a bit of bowl and eat eat them with milk it's a little ama moment on the show while we try joe's cookies i had to hand carry those because there was no room in my suitcase wow i feel really lucky those are yummy. I like a crispy. Yeah. I'm going to try just the straight. Those were the macadamia in that one, mm-hmm. which were delicious. But I also want to try just the plain, plain chocolate, chocolate chip. Because I love a chocolate chip cookie. Oh, no, I'm tearing the Yeah, bag. these are the cookies that mm. they're literally made for people who come back from who visit Guam and need to bring back snacks for the office. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's how I that's not their intention. But I feel like that's what I've always done is let me just get a bunch of cookies and serving size 18 cookies so. that's the tomorrow part of tomorrow chip we want you to eat as many cookies as you possibly is half a day half a day half a day, half a day but okay. half a day half a day tomorrow chip cookies made exclusively on guam yes from finest purest ingredients available delish all right that's what we're um that's what we're sponsor us uh, those are really yummy so thank you for bringing those i'm gonna You're leave welcome. these right here and save them for Chewing loudly not whenever share. you're talking. Yes, I'd not share. <laughs> oh, yes, those are very, very tasty. Thank you. And I love that you had to hand carry them back. That just makes me like so happy that you may have been mildly inconvenienced for my... For your pleasure. For my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that you would like that. Oh, that is so funny. Oh, all righty. Let's see. Anything that we could talk about that's a little happier with our last couple of minutes before we move on to the movie? So I I didn't get to talk about this in a previous episode, but I'm we're still I'm slowly revealing more and more about my trip. Right, the one thing that I wanted to make sure that I did while I was there was to go to the drag show. Um, so I went to the drag show. It is Diosa, which is the drag house. They're at Club Icon on Thursday nights at 11.30. And I got to meet some of the queens that were there. And they had delayed. They were doing like a series of four shows once a week that were supposed to be their pride shows. But because of the typhoon, they delayed them to right when I got there, really. This was the second of their series and it was LGBT icons. And so I had, I got to watch them do this really fun show. The finale, which was my favorite part, the finale was basically a re 
a recreation of Rihanna's Super Bowl halftime show, complete with dancers and there was like indoor pyrotechnics, which was really fascinating, kind of scary. But it was so nice to be in the queer space with seeing drag, something that I love very dearly, and seeing it on Guam and people participating and the, the whole room was packed. I got there an hour and a half early because they started capping people. This the door the they reached capacity by um, an hour before the show. Um, yeah, what is, is I really would love. Or is there this to something be. that's like put, oh. so? Th- when I was a kid, and I only know this because of what was like on the news and in the newspaper. But when I was a kid, there was this long running pageant called Miss Pacificana, mm-hmm. and it was just like a bunch of drag queens in a pageant. And they all represented, quote unquote, different countries, but they all like they would post their pictures and their names in the paper. And I remember seeing one drag queen's name was Sushi Tofu Sashimi. And like it was a whole thing, but but was it, it had gone on for a long time. But again, I don't quite know because I don't know who is or if anyone is writing that kind of queer history of Guam. Sounds like an idea, Joe. I know. And as soon as I said it, it's probably going to have to be me. (laughs) When we go, let's, we'll do that when we go. We'll just try to like set up an interview. Yes. For the two weeks, the week and a half that we're there, we'll be like, all right. Can we write the whole history of drag on Guam? (laughs) The the drag of micro. Yes. The Micronesian drag. Micronesian. Yes. I love it. That it's. I'm glad you got to experience that because it, it is. It is interesting. Like when I go back home, not obviously it's a very different kind of thing. But to go to, back to Ohio and just see how much it's grown and changed in that way. Going to the gay bars or going out to a club or something, and or seeing friends of mine who do drag now or who did drag then who are now supporting the new drag. It is cool just to see the the queer culture that's grown yeah. in the last. 20 some years it's great because it's like the house of diosa they're like run there's three trans women in it and the girls that were performing were ex- all except for one the skinny legend all of them were bigger girls too doing full choreo splits kicks that sort of thing and, I, and for me i was just like i was just living because i'm like oh my god this is i relate to this in a way that is above just my queer identity but also my cultural identity yeah. i think i talked about this when i went back in 2018 i they did a drag number to a to a polynesian hula song that i remember from childhood and i was like oh my god you can't you can't that means something to me but it also means something to other people who maybe yeah. are looking for that experience. A few episodes. You need to know because right. when you go... I know. Yeah. I'm going to die of heat exhaustion probably. It, but, yeah. Uh, you're going to die of... One, mosquitoes. Yeah, mosquitoes and heat exhaustion. <laughs> but we will keep you very fed. You will be very fed. All right. I'm here for that. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back to chat prom night. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. Hi-oh! 
from feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. All right, welcome back. So this week we are tackling... I, I, I don't want to call it... It is a classic of the genre in a way. It's a cult classic. Mm-hmm. I think it's appreciated probably a little bit more now maybe than it was back in the day. It gets name dropped in a lot of movies. A scream obviously name drops it. So yeah, we're talking about 1980s prom night. Continue with our little kind of sort of back to school theme here for September. I know it's not prom season. I know as soon as like school starts in the fall, people are ready for to talk about it and mm-hmm. plan prom. So it's okay. We can just Throw this out there. Yeah, 1980, directed by Paul Lynch, written by William Gray. We got Jamie Lee Curtis and Leslie Nielsen. And it's about a bunch of high schoolers who are go to prom and get attacked by a slasher. It's all there in the title, right? We're and done, everyone. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what it's about. It was filmed in Toronto, so this is Canadian. What else? Yeah. Let's just dive in, Joe. What did you think of Prom Night? Hold on, I need to go back to the other. I texted you while I was watching it, uh-huh. and the reason why is for this specific reason. I said I'm struggling to keep all these characters in prom night straight. Why is Leslie Nielsen serious? I'm halfway through this thing, and the prom is nowhere to be found. It's all in the day, and it's you can't you get halfway through, and they're just getting to prom. That doesn't make any sense to me. This is, again, the promise of the premise is that it's going to be at night and there's going to be a prom. Not It's going to be, not day school, okay? Right. It's not school day. <laughs> it's supposed to be prom night, okay? Wow. Again, the promise of the premise. The windows had one window, singular, no windows, plural. This, mostly during the day. Biggest complaint is it's mostly during the day. True, yeah. It's most up to prom. Yeah. Yeah. But like prom, like, the last 20s of the movie. <laughs> first of all, I don't Kinda know. like Carrie. Like Carrie, yes. But, like, the thing about this movie is it's maddening because... I And I kind You have to think about, like, how movies and television have built up the prom to be this big thing. Right. Because, like, now, I would not have a date to prom the day that the prom was happening. Like, how are these right. people having dates, getting getting their outfits together? Am I just supposed to believe that Jamie Lee Curtis learned all that fucking choreo that day, made it up <laughs> for disco prom extravaganza, whatever the fuck? Has a lot of things I love. <laughs> it's got 30-year-old teenagers. Yeah. Love that. Although I don't actually think any of them were 30, but they definitely look it. Well, there's that uh, one scene where they're walking the, the um. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. So we got 30-year-old teenagers. We have a car exploding, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. A van. Disco dance sequences for I'm still not exactly sure why. And the inexplicably cast and equally confused-looking Leslie Niels. <laughs> which I think... I, what I was reading was this is one of the last like serious roles he did as doing something as a serious. And yeah, then it yeah. was mostly uh, comedy. So yes. we know him as comedy. It's the same thing. I've talked about this before the Dexter, the John Lithgow Dexter thing. Oh, yeah. So many mm-hmm. of us had known him as the weird alien. So seeing him play a serial killer was really jarring or John Goodman in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm. Cause it's like, we're so used to seeing him as Dan Connor on Roseanne. So it was like very weird. So this is the opposite. Cause we grew up with Leslie Nielsen doing all these like funny movies and 
So I didn't really. I don't. No, hold on. I'm looking at his filmography. He was in Forbidden Planet. I did not know that. Ah. I only know Forbidden Planet because of Rocky Horror. (laughs) Hold on. So he did. 80 was. Okay, here's the thing. In 1980, he does his first comedic role in Airplane. At the same. That's the same year that Prom Night comes out. Everything else. Then he was he would go to be in Creep Show. Oh, I love him in Creep Show. Remember the Naked Gun movies? That's what I, I guess. Creep Show is serious. It's comic. It's dark horror yeah. comedy. The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad, nineteen eighty eight, would be the first Naked Gun movie, and then he would go yeah. on. My favorite thing that he's ever done is Father May I in Repossessed. <laughs> yeah, I loved Repossessed growing up, and was it Dracula Dead and Loving? Dracula it? Dead yeah. and Loving. It. I remember those when I was a kid. I haven't watched either of those since I was a kid. We should put those on a list and yes. maybe rewatch those. That yes. could be fun. Just as a. Especially with the anniversary of The Exorcist coming up, uh, Mm -hmm. the 50th anniversary of the release of the original um, The Exorcist and The Exorcist Believer coming out in October. Uh, That could be fun to revisit, repossessed. But anyways, um, I know this. you were going to do this. You're just going to try your best to keep us from actually discussing Prom Night. (laughs) I did watch the movie. I just, you know. Um, Again, it's funny because it's like when I watch it, because I've seen it a few times, and I always... Like, are we sure it's all on the same day? Is it really just a movie well, that takes no, place because over? Besides the flashback, because it starts with some home movies of when I was growing up. <laughs> that should not be as funny as... I'm sorry, because I just, I had a thought. I was like, this sounds like my nightmare. A bunch of children backing me against a window just saying, kill, kill, kill. And it was interminable. I was like, is this the whole movie? Like- right. <laughs> and then they all go to prom together. Yes. Uh yeah, no, I love watching because that like literally were how was how we were as kids. Like we were always like thankfully nobody got seriously injured like as like growing up because we definitely probably should have because uh, we reenacted like horror movies all the time, running around pushing each other off things and you know doing all kinds of terrible stuff. I always laugh at the beginning because I'm like, oh gosh, this kind of reminds me of like growing up and with neighborhood kids too. We'd get together and make up a make up a scary movie. Yeah, see, but the no one ever claimed. No one ever sought revenge against you yet, I should say. Yeah. For the. But we also did. I don't have any secret deaths in my past. They're all public record. They're all public record, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. The. Totally threw me off what I was saying. No, the. Yeah. So that's what the film starts with a bunch of kids like goofing off, playing around. They accidentally kill one of each other. Was I really struggling to see the accident of it all? Because I don't know how. You could watch that and think it was an accident. Well, she like got up. She was like backed up into the window and then she like fell out of it. So again, I don't know if they were like trying to kill her. I just feel maybe (laughs) we don't get a good. That's what we need here. We need a prequel. We need to know what little asshole Robin was and how she done did deserved it. (laughs) Not in a big way. That's the Blumhouse remake coming in like 2030 for the films. Whatever that would be like 60th night. The beginning. I'm sorry, I'm trying to do math in my head. <laughs> 2030. 50th, the 50th yes, anniversary. Yes, thank you. So 2030, 50th anniversary, oh, we'll God. get a prequel film about how Robin was actually a fucked up little kid and they did the world a favor. I'll get her little ass out of the window. <laughs> this revisionist history of prom night. <laughs> yeah, we'll just make it deeper. But anyway, so that is how the film goes. And so they arrest some guy that they think is responsible for the death, put him away, these kids. It's This is very... 
I know what you did last summer, preschool edition. Yes. <laughs> That's what this movie sets up. And so now all these years later, these kids are now and supposed to be 17, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in there, high school seniors uh, going to prom. And somebody who knows what they done did decides to take vengeance all these years later randomly that's just because <laughs> ah prom night that will be a good i will wait these seven years or whatever a, a dish best served cold revenge this is true is. yeah and what i love this again we're gonna really get into this movie uh, what i love is that they're getting these calls and all of them keep acting like they have no idea what yeah. possibly could be motivating somebody to like, want yeah. to attack them mm-hmm. it's like they don't ever get together and discuss really maybe in little like to themselves or whatever but it's oh yeah i don't know why somebody is creepy and calling me and threatening me with something that happened in the past i have no idea what that could mean Mm -hmm. it's very weird would have been here's all right everybody joe redirects the episode redirects the (laughs) it would have been better if it was all random if there was some like flashbacks of alex and uh kim what's her name jamie the curtis character kim yeah Yeah, the older sister of robin yes Alex was the twin, twin of the dead sibling. Yes. Yeah. So it'd be like something like home movies of them with other kids or whatever, the tragedy, but then we don't know that the kids did that. And then we think it's random. That's the thing. It's like, it would be great if we fit, if we were to believe until the very end that it was a random thing because the foreshadowing and like, I, I'm assuming to build tension of like, them being targeted because of you know what they did not land at all for me because you have the guy escapes jail so it's yeah. a bit of a red herring that mm-hmm. you think they're being stalked this is very this is let's see 1980 so this is two years after halloween mm-hmm. very much like a lot of this it reminds me of halloween like the death of a child when they were young guy goes to jail it's also a little bit nightmare on elm street in that yeah. the, the guy who does go to jail is actually innocent oh. Um, oh i thought he was a pedo no they say he's a pedo Wait, who are you saying? The the guy who escapes, right? Is oh, improbed her. Uh, again, it's such a it's such a mess of a movie. But we know somebody is in jail or has been put away for the death of Robin. Mm-hmm. But it's not the person who did it. Oh, but it is a sex offender blamed for her death. Has escaped from a psychiatric facility. There we go. So yeah, he has some kind of. anyways but he didn't kill her obviously because we know these children may or maybe did not (laughs) these children they walked (laughs) yeah these are some really unaffected kids too like gosh there you go people that's the 80s for you whatever let's all just never talk about this and go home (laughs) yeah let's just never ever Um, talk about and they say kids are fucked up these days look at this here we go (laughs) yeah kill kill But anyway, so he's like a red herring. Like, you think it's him Mm -hmm. that he's picking them off. So I think we're supposed to be surprised at the end that it's um, actually her brother the whole time who Mm -hmm. has decided after all these years that, like, he can't take it anymore, I guess, the knowledge. um, Because it's his shadow. Like, at the beginning, we see somebody walk up and, like, the shadow, but we don't know Mm -hmm. who that is. Uh, Turns out to be the brother. Yeah, I don't know. It goes back to what you were saying earlier. Grief is a motherfucker. And that it is it's not it's not linear. It just comes just can cycle within us. And if we don't process it properly, we may I don't think we'll kill people. Bad you things and can I, happen. Maybe but <laughs> but little Alex, little curly head Alex. Um yeah, I know. It I it gets confusing. I, I actually confuse about who anybody. <laughs> I'm not yes. sure which kids are supposed to be who 
when they're older and younger yeah. and yeah yeah i have i'm having my phone out because i'm like i need to make i yeah. don't know these actors names either than jamie lee and liam neeson yeah i don't think liam neeson lee leslie nielsen nielsen there we but go. i'm like have my phone out because i'm just like okay what who are the kids names again <laughs> because this is it's a it's a little unclear as yeah. to who's supposed to be whom plus i get that's the style for to have feathered hair for a a teen boy to have feathered hair like that but you need to be a little bit more distinguishing at least they gave the bully the same costume right they made (laughs) they gave him the same black ringer t-shirt right yeah he's uh what's his name lou yeah lou's easy to distinguish but you're right some of the other guys it's yeah it's a little and again the film it's a little Vaseline looking. It's so. very, it's serving season one yeah. of RuPaul's Drag Race for sure. So there are definitely times that I stop and I go, wait, who, are, who is that again? Is that the brother or the boyfriend? Because <laughs> so, yeah, like, I, get you. I had to take a moment. I had to go back a couple times when the fight happens in the cafeteria because Lou yeah. is fighting Nick. No, he's fighting Lou is fighting Alex because he's, you're the principal's son. Yeah. And that's Leslie Nielsen. Right. And then immediately right after that, there's a scene with Nick and Jamie Lee talking about the prom and how he sounds like he's about to confess that he was one of the reasons why her sister died. But I was like, wait, they're together? I thought they were brother and sister. That's... Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I had the same problem a few times, like just remembering who was who because of that Tommy Ross hair that they all had. (laughs) But at least in Carrie, he's the only one that really has that hair. So it's easy to follow Lil William Cat around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to follow. I also didn't understand the dance sequence. Like (laughs) what? (laughs) So they're working all hard on this. And she's like doing choreography and you have that asshole girl that's just like coming in, just being shady. (laughs) And then you're like, I guess she wasn't wrong. Because when they do the scene, you're like, all of that, that's the dance. It's so painful to watch. Like, I would love to rewatch this movie with Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, I would just love to hear her commentary on it. (laughs) I feel like there needs to be like a Super Bowl commercial where Jamie Lee Curtis does the dance. Does the dance from prom night. She does a series of dances, right? It could be about like meetup or something like that. And that'll be, or Groupon. And then she does this, the dance from prom night and then does her like strip tease but as like her now, her striptease from True Lies. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's also that aerobic sequence. The aerobic with, with John Travolta. Yes, we just all of those things. Yes. Hi, I'm Academy Award winning actress Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. But yeah, that it's just one of those confusing things in it because I don't like. Okay, I remember at prom that people did people that were on like the dance team and like the cheerleaders like because they always did we I should say we anybody involved in any of the performance aspects Mm -hmm. at school we almost always did popular songs of the day that would inevitably be played at prom and so you would go out and we would do the little choreography stuff flash mob a little bit yeah you would um no, I've seen the uh, poster though for it. That's oh, okay. with what's her, where they take her glasses off. Yes, she's pretty. <laughs> where they basically take her glasses off yeah. and wipe her face. Yep. There's a scene in the at the prom where Usher is the DJ, which I love. Everyone knows all of the dances to like the one song that was yeah. very famous at that time. Was it yeah. like that? Exactly. <laughs> but nobody was like, "Oh, I'm going to do a special choreographed dance at the prom." 
And I didn't know if it was because they were like going to be crowned prom king and queen, which also doesn't make sense that they knew that going in. Isn't that usually voted on it? I can't remember this. I haven't. I went to prom 20 literally now 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, because I graduated in May of 23, May of 2003. Yeah. So now we're in. Oh. September of 2023. 20, so it was over 20 years ago that I went to prom. So I can't remember. I, I thought we voted during prom for the prom king and queen. It wasn't done before. Typically, it typically? it's done before. So that uh, way is the yeah, whole thing. That's true. But I guess I thought that the ballots were official on prom night. But oh, I like you it's could like in only... Carrie where oh, they yeah. vote at the prom. Yeah. So it's like a surprise. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe different places do it their own ways. But it's, my point is just like, is that why they're doing this dance sequence? Because I can't really remember in the movie if they even discuss it. She's just like, oh, I'm going to do this dance presentation during the prom. Yeah. And it's like a big deal. And then it's that. Yeah. And not even Jamie. She's given it her all kicking up it's the yeah. guy she's doing white girl arms <laughs> like she's <laughs> i just but the and all the students are standing around just staring except there's one girl in like a beige dress who's like dancing but everybody else is just <laughs> i'm like yeah that's probably what we would have done if yeah. like the daughter of the principal did was, yeah. some kind of disco choreographed number stopping prom yeah. and so that we all had to watch yeah i probably would have been like and it's so funny because what not five years later it's not it won't be at prom but it'll be at a halloween dance you get the once bitten dance sequence Mm. where it's pretty similar where everyone's just standing yeah no this is such a like boring prom at at parks like sometimes it looks like they're having fun and they're dancing but then other times it's just like this looks really miserable yeah i see that's why (laughs) which is what prom should be greece was ahead of its time because it was a dance marathon Mm. and by process of elimination there were people who like couldn't dance anymore right and it made sense for them to be standing around looking pissed (laughs) whereas these people i don't know it's it's so strange i the soundtrack is also delightful because the what i read was they filmed it using like popular songs of the time i will survive and these other disco hits yeah hits but then they couldn't really afford to have that music (laughs) so they brought in somebody who worked on black christmas and some other people to write what do they call like mock hits not mock busters but isn't there like a colloquialism for a fake hit song oh it's the people who do that like for daria they go in Mm -hmm. and they like recreate because they can't have the actual song, but they need something that still feels like it. Or Queer as Folk did that. If you watch mm-hmm. the, if you ever watch Queer as Folk, because they used a lot of pop music as well at the time. But the series now, it's all fake stuff. I can't remember. I think there's like a term for it. But anyways, point is somebody came in and recreated songs that sounded like those hits, which then sure. resulted in a lawsuit. <laughs> yes, so fun. Yeah, but. And you can hear it listening yeah. to the songs. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I could. T- this sounds like this song. That sounds like that. But what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's enough, right? It's parody, right? Right. Yeah, I don't even know what you call that. It's we just need to yeah. have something that has the same kind of. It's vibe. like the kids' bop track. <laughs> yeah, oh, <I> that <laughs> kids' bop uh, songs are are really terrifying sometimes. Oh, so. I I wanted us to watch this one again because it was like set at high school, and I love movies that have like old teenagers yes just delights me and again this movie i don't think that it is as influential as like halloween which is i I do think is the superior film just because this doesn't 
I mean, I don't even care in the end. That's the other thing. By the time it's revealed who the murderer is, you're like, oh, whatever. Because the characters are a bit indistinguishable. I don't even know if Jamie Lee Curtis is necessary in the film. <laughs> it's like, why did we make this outside of we just wanted to capitalize on her and Halloween? Because she did get paid. That's one thing that she liked about this movie. She got paid a hell of a lot more than she did to do Halloween. Yeah, and obviously Leslie Nielsen. They got them, convinced them to do the movie, and then it got True. made. I think based on I was hoping he was going to be the killer. If it, the whole time it was the dad, yeah, yeah, that would have made it interesting. I mean, it's not that it's not interesting that it's the brother, although this is a year before Halloween two, which introduced the idea that Michael Myers. I believe that's what because it wasn't in yes. the original. It's no, Halloween it's Michael two is uh, is her like. Brother. brother so you have this movie that also did that and she hits him with an axe in the head towards the end of prom night which is something she also does in h2 in halloween h2o she chops michael's head off with an axe which of course then they retro uh, retroactively change to uh the paramedic driver that, uh, that michael had put his mask on him so he wasn't a, a real person that was in halloween resurrection <laughs> which is why she's like in a hospital in a psychiatric hospital at the beginning because of her grief and despair and have killed an innocent man wearing michael's mask but my point is that she attacks a brother with a an axe the parallels (laughs) yes they're like these lovely parallels here um can i (laughs) can i tell you where my fright school education really came in handy oh sure as I'm watching this, the the second half where we're actually at prom night and the teens are being killed, it's yeah, a- yeah, yeah. I definitely think it has that vibe too. Also Canadian produced. I think some of the same people were involved. Again, trying to make it around like a slasher event or a slasher movie around an event like Christmas or Halloween. Prom? Why not prom night? Sure. Yeah. So it was just Christmas. Yeah, I was like, this is like it. The similar lighting the way that the kills were revealed but also still held back do you know what i mean like it was yeah. just it was like okay the the conventions of the slasher are it's we're starting to see motifs right we're starting to see the slasher be a language a visual language of what a slasher is in this that will generally remain the same until what scream maybe where would you say no actually nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street would change it a little bit, but it also, it's, Nightmare's just an original, like, concept and... Yeah, because you're thinking of, like, point of view and... Point of view, the lighting, it felt like it was the same cinematographer, like, the same director of photography in some parts... Yeah, yeah. I don't know, because obviously we still have, like, the Haiti of the slasher between the Mm -hmm. late 70s and, like, the early 80s, or 80s in general. Yeah, this movie is definitely taking advantage of the things that were successful in Halloween and successful in Black Christmas and Psycho, Mm -hmm. just to take it all the way back and uh, even further. There are other movies that kind of did those sorts of point of view shots, so, and, and things that we have identified with the, with the slasher film sure I, it's just it's I, it's not as successful but i think it's a it's fun in some ways parts of a drag i do like it's a mood <laughs> it's another one of these movies that's fun to just put on in the afternoon that yeah. i'm gonna maybe take a nap or something like <laughs> but on prom night i was trying to look because there was something uh, the one thing that i will say is that 
even though we there are like these rules to like slasher movies, this they don't always follow that because, for instance, is it Kelly? I think. Kelly and her boyfriend, like he's trying to get her to have sex and he and she won't. Yeah. She rejects him and then she immediately dies after. Yes. Which is a little playing with that, like mm-hmm. where this isn't this movie isn't about what a lot of slasher movies are about, where it's like yeah. this unknown force that's coming into a suburban place and wreaking havoc on teenagers who are doing bad things. It's not this morality play in the general sense like that Halloween is. This mm-hmm. is more this is a revenge story in the end. Yeah. It's a story more about grief. Grief and yeah, exactly. Before we really were talking about things like that like we are now in films where we're really much more i think cognizant of those kinds of themes so you have a brother who's really tortured by the death of his twin sister which when we think about relationships of siblings twins have unique relationships often so there is that yeah it's yeah so my just my point is that some of the deaths in the movie don't follow the usual have sex die do Mm -hmm. drugs die uh some of the this is just this is about yeah revenge and you're right grief that is hasn't gone away and even and the family because when the film starts after the after that sequence with the with robin's death the family goes every year to visit her and memorialize so there is a ritual i think it's the family has been processing it the best they can but obviously alex is not it's not enough for alex he wants to see everybody pay (laughs) um let's see i was just looking at this um there was a the slasher genre in prom night which kind of uses i was looking up interestingly clover does not mention this film or at least it's not in the index for for men women and chainsaws but there is still kind of discussion about obviously kim ends up being like a final girl although in Clover, see, yeah, this is what I was trying to say. One could argue that Kelly would be a far more appropriate final girl in accordance with Clover, with how she de- defines it, because she experiences sexual reluctance. She's the she is the last child to swear secrecy, stating, "I don't want to go to jail," re- reinforcing her apartness from her friends. She is the first to die, however. It's it's a different. It's like already. Prom Night was attempting to subvert like a trope of the genre, sure. which I think is, which I do think is interesting. I think if, we're, if there's anything in this movie that we can look at within like the context of like academic horror, I do think it's interesting that she is, that she dies first after being the one that's, she's not any less guilty than the others, but I, but she isn't participating. She's the, the more same way. innocent of the th- it, I hate to say that because they're all guilty but she doesn't she's the one who's like you said reluctant yeah yeah so it's just it's a playing with that and then in the end it's it still is Jamie Lee Curtis who survives to the end sure although again in what state because she's lost another sibling <laughs> so it's very it's a dark ending her having to kill her own brother without real without knowing it in the until the very end of the movie when she sees his eyes and I know who it is. I feel like at the end. <laughs> right. I love that. All right. I don't know any other. Did you have any other notes or anything about the movie? It's yeah. They remade it in two thousand eight with a, a very I think two thousand eight cast. <laughs> yes, but it all it's I totally in a lot of ways a, a very different movie. Yeah. Not at all the same story, I don't think. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but it's about... I don't think it starts with the death of a child, either. It's like a totally different... He, 
I think the he's killer he's obsessed with her so he's obsessed with her yeah he kills yeah. Is trying to try it yeah so it's just a complete reinvention of the story just yeah. using the same yeah I, I haven't seen that in so long. I remember thinking there were parts of it that were creepy, though. And I need those kinds of discussions. Like, we live in this world where this conversation of, like, men stalking women, the obsession mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. violence is, like, still so relevant and meaningful to discuss. So, I don't know. It'd be interesting to rewatch the 2008 version and compare it to this and to ongoing films in the slasher genre and how they continue to reflect, like, real-world uh, fear and anxiety all righty that's enough of this we we gleaned what we could this is another good popcorn night movie get together with friends jeer at it um, see if you can recreate those dance moves oh gosh yes i think that we need to do a remake of this but mm-hmm. instead of at prom night it'll be some other thing in the calendar so like homecoming or tea prep <laughs> the summer the spring musical uh, parent teacher conference night <laughs> put a slasher in there just for fun yeah i love it, it. yeah yeah same I, everything but just at pta night yeah yeah pta night we're gonna have a disco presentation by one of the students yes. for no reason so, ah that would be a great disco because then it'd be underwater there we go some uh, merman dancers or whatever mm. okay that's enough of that. Thank you for listening to this. As always, Joe. Joshua. You're delightful. Good night. Good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 